Hello and welcome to episode 106 of the Rollo and Slappy Show. Today is August 27th, 2018. I am Rollo McFlugel and with me is Slappy Jones 2 and we are both of McFlugel.com. The show notes page for this episode is McFlugel.com slash 106. And this is kind of a doubly anniversary day for us because today marks the six-year anniversary that we started our website back when it was uh, mcflugel.wordpress.com. But uh, it's been six years, Slappy. It's gone by kind of quick. Sure has. We're on the longer side of a, of a, going on a decade, so only four more years. For a decade. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then also, since this is the 106th episode, this is like two years we've been doing the podcast, right? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, there's 52 weeks in a year. Yeah, so the 53rd, and then it's like, I was thinking about this. I think this is the right time to say it's two years. Well, in, in two years, there would be 104 weeks. Oh, wait. Yeah, I did that wrong in my head. I knew that would be 100. Because 50, well. In one year, we would do 52 episodes. There's right. 52 weeks. If we've but, done but them every the 50, week, which the I believe the 52nd wouldn't have been marked the next year. 51, no, 50, 53 would have been. So do sure. we, should, so should we have celebrated two years last week? Yeah. Although I remember we started, in the, the first one was in September, wasn't it? Let's check this. I, I could, don't know. I could, let me check the date. I'm glad I just do the, uh, <laughs> I could just go, McFlugel.com slash one. Oh, true. I was, I was like, all right, great. And we'll just wait for him to scroll through all our episodes. August 22nd, 2016. Oh, yeah. So it was last week. Yeah. Or I don't. Or this week. This know. is the first one past. I mean, last week would have been well, the 20th. So. I don't know why it's so confusing to me to figure out if it's 105 or 106. I can't do I can't I can count base ten, but base fifty two is a lot harder. <laughs> well Well yeah, because at, it would be wait. Well look calendar last week would have been the episode. It's two years, so we're two days off of where we started. It would have been last week. I mean, really it's neither week because we started on the twenty second and right now it's the twenty seventh and last week it was the twentieth. Yeah, but we only do the episode every every week so it's like we're yeah so last week would have been it it's like a base seven you're talking about your combined with a base 52 so talk about a clock yeah base 24 i mean it makes sense because what we're going to be talking about but let me get through the uh other stuff which i don't even know but eh, let's just roll into the episode I don't remember what we're talking about. Um, okay, no. All right, I got it. Uh, are we going? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I'm Slappy Jones. This is Rallo with me um, <laughs> on our possibly our two-year anniversary episode. You know what's bad? We're about to talk about something kind of technical, and we um, can't even figure out when two years is. So, But let's go. No. Um, 
Yeah, so right, we're going to talk about a couple uh, articles on Rallo's, I guess, where he gets his news source and see some both of them, <laughs> just cnbc.com. Um, the first one we'll, we'll talk about is called uh, Wolf of Wall Street Warns Investors of the Next Big Trap, Bitcoin. It's by Kate Rooney over at cnbc.com. And um, why don't we go through it a little bit? It's a short article and... You know, to be honest, it really doesn't tell you a whole lot. But uh, it is a nice little scare tactic to send out to all the people like Rollo who read CNBC.com. So I'm ready to jump out of Bitcoin. I already sold it all. Uh, did you? Yeah. Is it because of this article or because of the other one we're going to talk about? Uh, it was a combination. Okay. I bought. Well, I, I, other- I sold it for Ethereum. Good, good, good. Uh, smart move. So I'll start with reading this. Um and then we'll just go from there. Former penny stock broker Jordan Belfort spent nearly two years in prison for scamming investors. Bitcoin, he has no doubt, is the next trap that could leave some retail investors penniless. Quote, I was a scammer. I had it down to a science, and it's exactly what's happening with Bitcoin, he told CNBC in a documentary airing Monday. The whole thing is so stupid. These kids have gotten themselves so brainwashed. End quote. Rala, we'll stop it there. Do you have anything to add, comment on, since you're so brainwashed? Yeah, and I'm a kid. Right. And stupid. Um, I mean, do you have anything? Should I keep going? Well, I, I guess, yeah, I guess we can keep going because maybe he says something more than just the whole thing is stupid. Like that's I, actually I, what I was, he says. I was a scammer. So I was a scammer. Therefore, I can identify every scam, even though this Bitcoin's pretty technical and you know i wonder if he understands how it works or understands how money no. works no because i mean you wouldn't expect him to i mean even we expect that these guys that are successful in one way or the other and he did it in a way that for you know good bad or indifferent earned him a prison sentence uh but that doesn't mean he's like has all this knowledge that that just is the ex like hands down the expert on identifying everything. I mean, especially with Bitcoin, there's a lot more to it than just whatever I'm sure he's assuming that it is. It's just a pump. I assume he's just calling it a pump and dump. Probably. Um, Although he doesn't say anything. He just said it's so stupid in your brainwash. Yeah. Uh, But maybe if I keep reading, I'll find something deeper. Sure. Um. All right, I'll continue. Belfort ran an over-the-counter brokerage house on Long Island called Stratton Oakmont and pleaded guilty in 1999 to manipulating investors into buying stocks that eventually turned out to be worthless. The former broker's story was depicted by Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese's Wolf of Wall Street. In order to manipulate markets, Belfort highlighted the need for demand. Back in the day, He had an army of people calling around the country and the world, persuading people to buy stocks he would later dump and profit off of. In the Internet age, that manipulation tactic has become easier. Cryptocurrency fundraising, known as initial coin offerings, in many cases turned out to be frauds and have become the... have become the target of Securities and Exchange Commission investigations. Little editorialized. We got our best guys on it. Google, Facebook, (laughs) and Twitter have outlawed advertising of ICOs on their platform. This thing is going to evaporate like a mirage, Belfort said. 
And there's a lot of really honest people who are going to get slaughtered. Dick, yeah, let's let's stop, let's stop it. Um, sure. Has Twitter banned ICO advertising? I have no idea. I see people pushing their ICOs all the time. And that, that's where, you know, we there's a big difference between Bitcoin and ICOs. Okay, good. Because that's what I was just going to say. There's a little bit – just the premise of this article is just – or whatever the base of this article is wrong. Yeah, they're. I mean, he's conflating ICOs Different and Bitcoin. Things. Right. And yeah, ICOs. I don't think I've ever seen a legitimate ICO. <laughs> you, you know, you're not going to get an argument from me that says that ICOs are have been any. ICOs. Yeah, they're anything but toxic. Um, there are ways of of raising money in Bitcoin. I mean, look the uh, the the. I think we mentioned it before. The BISC model where they're using colored coins in the Bitcoin network or, or mm. doing stuff and, and it's it's not an ICO and they're looks like they're coming up with a pretty legitimate model, but that's a complete aberration based uh compared to the all these other ICOs. I mean it, it doesn't make sense. And that was one of the first when they first started popping up, even though I didn't have nearly the knowledge of Bitcoin and what's going on with it that I do now, I still it didn't seem right because I was like Okay, we've got this new coin that they're offering, but what's like, why is it going to have value exactly? Why am yeah. I buying this thing? Just because they're, they're launching this platform that does something, which it may be a decent service, but now you need to use their specific token to get in. But like, who's going to, like, it doesn't make sense other than just to pump and dump it. Yeah, that's what I – I mean, and you can look at – well, whatever. I, I never bought into an ICO because I always thought that. Well, also, I, when I first got into Bitcoin, even though I was – you know, didn't really know what was going on, it was at least at a time when – and I wasn't like a maximalist back then. I was – I didn't quite understand how money works. Um, I was sympathetic to altcoins and everything, but I remember when people were – uh, coming up with these altcoins, if there was a pre-mine or something, it was immediately seen by a lot of the community as being scammy and that it was, you know, it created a greater opportunity for it just to be the creators of it just to make a bunch of money in the beginning is they have a pre-mine, they assign themselves a bunch of coins, and then they actually put it out there, it gains some value, and then they dump it, and then they leave. Now you're having a more official way of doing that with ICOs where they're sometimes able to come up with millions of dollars, sometimes before any code's even written. And so now you've got these, you know, people that are supposed to be entrepreneurs that, you know, the work, all of that hard work and, and toil and suffering, whatever you want to call it, was to lead up to be able to sell it for something so that you're rewarded at the end. Now it gets flipped up upside down and that you're rewarded before you actually do anything other than marketing. Mm -hmm. And so now these guys have got millions of dollars. What's their incentive to actually produce anything? Not much. So it shouldn't really come to a surprise that these ICOs end up being not worth anything, but the ICOs are not what Bitcoin is. And Bitcoin was not created to be IC. I mean, you can't launch ICOs with, as far as I'm aware, can you? 
Not that I know of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of like Ethereum. You can you can launch them off that, or just create your own thing and just sell. I guess the uh, uh, however they figure out to distribute the tokens for it, but um, it it's annoying because it's they're conflating cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. And Bitcoin and using um, it interchangeably. Yeah. And taking like all the weird bad stuff and just assigning it also to Bitcoin. And not that there aren't scams with Bitcoin. I mean, it's there's of course there's scams with Bitcoin, but it's not. There's scams with US dollars. Right. It's the scams associated with Bitcoin is not like the core of what it is. No pun intended. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's valuable without any of the scams and i think the scams hurt its value so we'd be obviously be better off without all those scams so all right yeah you can keep going continue so bitcoin is often described oh well well, before when he says this thing is going to evaporate like a mirage like so it's just going to lose all of its value i mean this is someone it this reeks of someone who doesn't like understand doesn't know what he's talking yeah because there's a lot of people out there that if the price drops there's going to be a lot of pressure on the floor of the price and i have no idea what that floor is going to be but there's a lot of people out there who really believe in bitcoin that as soon as it it, once it starts dropping in price they're going to start gobbling it up I mean, these are kind of called like the holders of last resort that if the price reaches, the idea is if the the price reaches a low enough level, there's just going to be these people out there and there's, I think a decent amount of them just buying it up because they see, they see it as a long-term thing and and they don't care about the, what the the price does in the short term because they're not concerned about the price shooting through the roof right now because they understand that in order for something to become money, it needs to be a store of value first. It needs to, you know, kind of go through these, you know, unfortunately slow and sometimes painful steps. Uh, people because people have to have it, right? Right. Yeah. And so the well, there will be people who have it. It'll just be saying. a smaller number of people, and 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 it'll. Right. Right. Yeah. People. Yeah. And then as. Yeah, whatever. We'll we'll get to that. Um, So Bitcoin is often described as anonymous because people don't need to give any identifying information to send or receive it. While transactions are recorded on a public ledger, they're listed under an alphanumeric code known as a public key, which doesn't reveal the trader's identity. Belfort said that anonymous structure is cause for concern. That's not even correct. Um, it doesn't, yeah. the blockchain doesn't show, I mean, it shows the transactions and it, and it ties it to addresses, which I guess it, it eventually can, Yeah. but whatever. All right. Yeah, they're, Belfort, I guess they're, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and saying they're kind of stretching. Yeah, they probably know that like, you know, we're, we're all Solbrick got tracked through the ledger or whatever. I mean, there are, I mean, most people have bought Bitcoin through exchanges where you got to give a lot of identifiable information. information. So. Yeah. In that case, it's not anonymous at all. As soon as someone releases that information, sells it, or is otherwise hacked or 
a government induces them to give it away, then <laughs> and that's I'm one of those people, unfortunately. Yeah, same. Um, Belfort said that anonymous structures cause for concern. It's not that Bitcoin's a scam, but its nature allows scams to occur. He said in a separate interview on CNBC's Power Launch Monday. It's a dark market. You can't see what's going on behind the scenes. People dive into that and use it to rip others off. He predicted that it could go bust within the year. And when it does, it will be the bust heard around the world. So will he circle back in a year and yeah, said he doesn't. So I mean, the fact that it's been around for as long as it has, uh, well, people ever, don't realize, I, I don't think, it's, it's, they give it credit that it's, it's working. It's not like, I think it's past the, I don't know, but there's, know. there's ever reason to say of, it's, go ahead. I was going to say ever since I heard of Bitcoin, everyone's been saying it's going to crash tomorrow. Right. But I think there's reason to say, there's very good reason to say that it's, it's well past the experiment stage and that it's proven that it's worked. And I forget what law this is, but every day that it exists gives it a better chance of existing in the future. Sure. And it's not showing any signs of, of collapsing or, or going away. And, and again, I mean, just going to uh, what Belfort was saying. Now he's saying, you know, he's saying that it's not a scam. Okay. So he's, he's, I guess, uh, clarifying it, but you know, it's like, he says it's a public, you know, it's called a public ledger. It's so you can see everything that's going on. It's all open source and everything, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Like what? Like who's got what money? Why does that matter? I mean, you can see how the code works. That's, yeah, that's, that's all. That it's all out in the open. I didn't know what he was talking about there because it's all open source. Um, Unless he's talking about people who deal in Bitcoin, you don't know what's happening. I, I don't know what he's getting. That, that's that got no to be. That has to be what it is. That he's saying that there's there's bad actors out there and what they're you doing with the money. But are. but that doesn't make that doesn't make the software change. Right. If someone steals Bitcoin from you because you did something stupid, that doesn't mean that it's that the network's insecure. So I don't like I I don't like this kind of talk just screams of this just really basic ignorance of what Bitcoin is and and why it matters and what's going on that they just they they think it's that it's all based on like I don't know whoever these scammers are that I don't know it just well, it just it <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm not saying anything uh, that was kind of nonsensical or I didn't make sense of what I'm trying to say, but it's just very flowery, nondescript, nebulous criticism that they're giving it. And they're trying to fit it. They're trying to fit the round peg of Bitcoin into the square hole of what they're used to. And Bitcoin's not like anything we've ever seen before. So you kind of need to look at it from a different lens, its own lens, without taking so many of these, uh, um, this, this baggage that you have for understanding the world and money and, and how this works, because it's not, I guess that's the big thing is that it's how it's a trustless 
network and how it can be very secure and, and work extremely well. Um, and that you have all these people being scammers that would, uh, cause distrust for people for good reason. And then they're assigning that to the actual, to the network, I guess, or the people's ability to trust the network. So you can keep going unless you had something you wanted to add to that. No. Um, I, so this is where I guess it gets interesting. Uh, Belford also challenged Bitcoin security. The idea that it could dissolve a need for central banks and the argument that governments would allow an anonymous currency without regulation. <laughs> that, 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 that's, 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 that was the best line of this article. Yeah. The argument that governments would allow an anonymous currency without regulation. Here's the thing. We don't care if governments allow it or not. They don't want to allow it. They've been – absolutely, they've been trying since it became relevant – to take it out and they can't. So, uh, <laughs> it's not about getting permission from governments and they can try yeah. to. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, I think, you know, if government said it's illegal to, we'll throw you in jail for using Bitcoin. Um, I think that would definitely scare people away from using it. It would. Um, I don't know if that's what he means by that, or just if he's saying it won't work because government won't allow. Like, you know, I, government can try to stop it all they want; they can't, right? Um, but that could prevent people from getting into it, you know, mm-hmm. and certainly would definitely um, keep businesses from ever accepting it. Sure, but I mean, we don't even. I mean, having businesses accept it, I don't think it's as necessary right now as we might perceive it to be. I mean, and anyway, if they... I don't think it is at all right now, but just for... If it's going to be money, it certainly is. Right, eventually. But we... I I think it can even in a... In in the dark... Only if it's in black markets and everything. I mean... It could work just fine. I mean, it's at black market. Look, look at the drug trade. Yeah, Yeah, look at the drug trade. There's a war on drugs. And I don't think the drug trade is really suffering that much. No, and government's not going to um, start... Deregulating things like anytime soon, it's only right. going to get bigger. Um, so no, there is always that, that's why I think that's one of the reasons I do think Bitcoin will always have value because there's government's not just going to stop regulating stuff, there's always going to be dark markets that can use it. Yep. Um, so then he goes on central banks don't want it, they've spent all this time trying to stop money laundering. Why now allow something that's anonymous? It lends itself to making money laundering easy, he said. I don't believe there's any shot in the world they'll let that happen. Well, I mean, we kind of <laughs> talked about that, but they don't really have a choice. Yeah, well, that's like we kind of want to destroy the central banks. So, yeah, they can not let it happen all they want, but they it's can't not up stop to them. money laundering with U.S. dollars anyway. Yeah, I mean that's well, that's the whole joke of it is that he's saying, oh, you got to have. Well, they're, there's all where these... they're working on it is by getting rid of cash and yeah. making you use everything. Everything is traced. Every time you use your Venmo, there's a record of it. Every time you use your debit card, your credit card. And, you know, was, wasn't there um talk about getting rid of some bills? 
Yeah, I think they're always. I mean, uh, I forget exactly what it was, but yeah. Um, and every now and think, then you hear about them getting rid of pennies. I mean, they want to get rid of cash. They don't like cash transactions. I think. Con- more Go that, ahead. No, the more you do it, the harder it's going to be to launder money, which may increase the value of Bitcoin. By the way, right? Not that you want to say it's there for laundering, but it's just going to. It's a necessary uh, consequence. Mm-hmm. But again, I mean. You see every time that they try to make something illegal and you see how well it works. No, it doesn't work. Right. Um, it doesn't work very well anyway. And there, I have no doubt government will try to stop and continue – well, continue to try to stop people from using it. Mm-hmm. But um, they can't stop it, which is the nice thing. Well, and that's the other thing is that they'll they'll get you right now is that once you turn it back into fiat – then they'll charge – what do they do? Charge you capital gains or something for it? Probably. I don't know what they do. I have no desire to ever turn my Bitcoin back into dollars. Right. Because my hope is that it reaches the point, hopefully in my lifetime, I have no idea when it will happen, but that the US dollar will be just gone and we'll be doing everything in Bitcoin. And at that point, uh, obvi- there's obviously no reason to – uh, exchange Bitcoin for anything else. That will be the money. Um, so they'll fight it that way, but that's why, you know, I think we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but hodling is, is a good uh, thing to do. Good strategy. Yep. Um, so then I'll just read this last paragraph. Belfort is in good company. Corporate leaders, including Jamie DeMon, DeMon I never know how to say his name, uh, Ray Dalio and Bill Gates have challenged the validity of Bitcoin. And Warren Buffett famously called it rat poison squared ahead of the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting in May. So there you have it. Those guys challenged the validity of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think they have any interest in keeping Federal Reserve notes? Yeah. Do you think any of them don't have Bitcoin? Um, well, didn't Jamie DeMond's daughter have a whole bunch of it? I don't or know. Something? Or had some, and that was what happened. She made it more, like, she had better returns than he did. Yeah. They're not dumb. They're not dumb by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, they're all ridiculously wealthy for a reason. But they've got a strong incentive to keep Bitcoin down. But at the same time... I would imagine they've probably hedged their bets. It's likely. So who knows? I don't really care. Um, Do you want to talk about your other little CNBC article you sent? Yeah. It was more a video than an article, right? Yep. I don't have it up on my phone anymore. Do you want me to kind of explain? Yeah, it was this kid. looked like an idiot wearing tiger paws. And I don't know. Shorts. He, he was, yeah, shorts in the snow, lived in a tree, said he sold everything for Bitcoin. It's going to be the future. <laughs> yeah. Here's, um, but, here's, there's an yeah. article tied to it. Okay, there was. Good. Um, let me read a little bit of it. These, the, both of these articles we linked in the show notes page. <laughs> but it's the dead of winter, but Justin, aka Crypto Kid, is wearing little more than board shorts a cap over his bleached blonde hair, and his signature tiger paw scarf. 
<laughs> With a giddy grin, he shows off his outhouse before leaping from an icy trampoline up into the treehouse where he lives. Nothing about the quirky college dropout, least of all his appearance in living arrangements, screams millionaire, but make no mistake, Crypto Kid is sitting on a massive fortune built on Bitcoin. In CNBC's new original documentary, Bitcoin Boomer Bust, Crypto Kid takes anchor Melissa Lee inside his whimsical world as he takes on crypto critics, preaches the blockchain gospel, and explains why he thinks the Bitcoin gold rush is just getting started. But he even he admits not all that glitters is gold. And then they advertise. And both of these stories were uh, for pumping their uh, special Bitcoin boomer bust that was that came on tonight at six. I didn't watch it. Uh, but I think it's pretty obvious what they're trying to do. I mean, you've got the uh, this guy. This guy was the greatest scam artist in the world, and he's saying Bitcoin's a scam. And this one, this guy's this uh, crypto kid. He's in favor of Bitcoin, and he wears shorts in the snow, wears tiger paws, and lives in a treehouse where, like, he's got to use this outhouse. At just. Man, he talks like this too. And then they ask him about hodl, what hodling means. Oh, yeah. Wait, did he say it was an abbreviation or did they? He did. Oh. And then they agreed. Worse. Yeah. So this guy who they bring on as their apparently, and, and again, who knows what was in this entire thing. I'm sure they, I hope, I don't, actually, I don't care if they gave Bitcoin a better, uh, um, better shake for what it is, but. Uh, yeah, I actually this is don't. Like, yeah, go ahead. Th- yeah, this is the Bitcoin guy that they were at least advertising. He's wearing tiger paws, wearing shorts in the snow, just like an idiot who got lucky because he had a bunch of Bitcoin and and it became worth a lot more. Um, so they're painting this picture of who the Bitcoin people are versus who the non-Bitcoin people are. But he talks about, and this shows how stupid and just. Uh, un poorly researched this is because they talk about well first of all he's they ask about hodling and he goes no it's hodling as if the pronunciation makes a difference and they say well, what does hodling mean and he says hold on for dear life that's what and that's what hodling means and that is not where it came from it came from a typo from uh bitcoin talk those forums where a guy was drunk and the price went down a lot and he wrote this like rant about how he meant to say he's holding but he wrote hodling and apparently he tried to edit it and he misspelled it again (laughs) so it just became a meme that like yeah you hot instead of saying yeah hold on to your bitcoin it's hodl it and the fact that they couldn't even get that right, because all you got to do is type in like hodl. Well, actually, let me do it right now. I have, I've got a computer on in front of me. Let me type hodl. Does it tell you? Uh, yeah, well, the, the first one's Wikipedia. The second one is Urban Dictionary and just staying on, uh, Urban just the, the little thing. They kind of get it. They say... An all-purpose kind of misspelling of hold. First coin in... Well, they say the altcoin sphere. 
So that's not right. It was Bitcoin in 2013 and later said to imply, hold on for dear life. So it, it eventually became a thing, but like, the, like they can't even get that. Like that's what's so hilarious about this stuff is they take something that simple and get it that wrong. So like, Surprise, surprise, CNBC's credibility on Bitcoin is not very good. <laughs> right. And I, I think it's just, um, it's, you know, the news is the, it's the old media. It's the old way to do things. It's how they um, always did things. Like uh, when you remember the drug scares in the 1980s, or if you don't remember, you certainly read about them, I'm sure, where they were just talking about how all these crack babies and heroin babies and, um, you know, the second you look at cocaine, you're addicted to heroin, um, all kinds of crazy things that were put on. They would do hour long specials like this one showing how just being in the same room as drugs will kill you. Yeah. It was all, it was all BS, obviously, just like this is. Um, but it's just kind of what they do and they scare you and people well, overreact and usually laws get passed over it. And it was like how the, uh, Iraqi soldiers were like pulling, going into hospitals and pulling yes. babies out of incubators. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, they, they do everything like, you know, obviously the Fed now, whatever. I mean, Bitcoin's got to be on the radar. Right, it's it's big. Oh, absolutely. That. Um, they certainly want to discourage people from using it. And I'm not saying it's some scam that the the Fed is going into CNBC and doing this, but um, they're certainly not against it. Right. And those people are powerful, and there's a lot of people at the networks who have lots of money. You know, people don't want to see the U.S. dollar crash. Or go away or not be used. People who have a lot of it. So there's going to be resistance in switching over. It just has to happen over time. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's right. not going to happen in two years or 10 years, maybe. I mean, maybe it will, but who knows? Um, probably not. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a long-term thing, which is why I choose to, to hodl, to hold, and just keep it. It doesn't have to happen now. Yeah, I mean, if if you really believe that in in what Bitcoin is and it's going to change the world, then the fact that CNBC and the government and everybody else are painting such a bad picture of it um, and making people believe uh, a lot of negative about it right now represents a huge opportunity because now you're having fewer people. Uh, getting involved and learning about it, it creates an opportunity for you to jump in there and be one of the first adopters and, and really be one of the people that, that makes a lot of waves with it. Um, and hopefully make a lot of money with it too. Um, so it's, it's not all bad that they're doing that. It's, and, and also it's to be expected. So, um, I guess that's a good transition to go into our free market success story, right? Sure. Let's go. Uh, yeah. I, uh, I finally got a uh, tractor coin up and running. Nice. So Excellent. go, go buy my ICO. Go buy it. Um, and we had a pre-mine and we're doing an ICO and it's really valuable. Mm -hmm. So buy lots. Yeah. So go to tractor.com, 
and uh, yeah, you get uh, free money for all tractor cash coin holders. Right. Um, but no, but what we were, where we were going with this, um, that, well, I'm, I I didn't think we were going to release that till the end of the show. So you threw me off. Oh, sorry. Um, no problem. But I, uh, you mentioned earlier, Bitcoin is still pretty much in its infancy. And I really think if, if you look at the price right now and it's 6,000 and change or 7,000, wherever it is, um, and there's probably a lot of people thinking they can't afford it. Uh, get anything put if you put five bucks a week in 10 bucks a week in you know, i'm not promising anything but i do think bitcoin is the future and i don't think it's ready yet i don't think it's there i think it needs to be developed more um but i think if you have any bitcoin today in the future it's going it has potentially could be very valuable um even if you just have a little bit today but it's going to take a long time for that and improvements have to be made because your average person, I don't think, is ready to securely have their Bitcoin um, and know how to use it and keep their private keys and have their private keys. I think most people just want to use Coinbase uh, or whatever and, and send it that way. And I don't think that's a great idea. So I think a lot of improvements have to be made. Uh, Rollo may disagree with me on that. I don't know. I agree. But one thing I do think you agree with me on is... There was some high transaction fees about, um, you know, eight months ago. And there's a huge debate in the Bitcoin world about or was um, on scaling. And I guess it's still going. Um, but the Bitcoin has come around with the Lightning Network. So, Rala, why don't you talk about that and why it's a free market success story? Sure. So back during the scaling debate. Uh, there are some people that wanted to raise the block size to have more transaction through point throughput, and there are people in the Bitcoin world saying that well, no, we got this this solution called the Lightning Network that uh, can create these payment channels that can route through each other to send to send Bitcoin for uh, extremely low fees and have it be instant and. Uh, for a while, it got criticized as being vaporware, um, which uh, surprisingly people aren't using that criticism anymore. But like any other open source project, it uh, took a while because you really want to be conservative that it's going to work and it's not going to cause problems and make people lose their their Bitcoin or anything. So they were uh, the developers were were pretty careful about it. Um, and there's been three, I guess, I, don't, I think there's been a few more, but there's been three main implementations of, of the Lightning Network. One being uh, C Lightning. I think Blockstream's doing that. There's uh, LND. I forget the company who's uh, who's running that. And then uh, Eclair by a company called Async. And they're all kind of doing their own thing, developing it uh, for different kind of platforms uh, some of them are for windows or mac uh, os or a lot of for linux uh, but they're all good they all can talk between each other so there's there won't be any sort of issues with compatibility that way but now they're they're rolling it out and it's been on the main net for a while and let me check the rexplorer you know there's about there's three thousand nodes and a little over 8100 channels with uh 
a little more than half half a million Bitcoin worth of bi- half a million dollars worth of Bitcoin on there. Uh, it's still brand new. It's still kind of in its fledgling status, if you will. But it's working, and it's and it's working really well, and it's growing. Um, and other than its criticisms of being, uh, you know, vaporware, there's there's been all sorts of other criticisms of it, most of which are either unfounded or a little bit unfair, in the sense that, you know, a lot of us, most people listening to this are going to be libertarians, so we all know the the dismissal of what we say is, oh, who's going to build the roads? And all that is is someone hears our arguments probably for the first time and without thinking they dismiss it with something, some sort of criticism that they came up with within about three seconds of thinking about it. Uh, And that's a very arrogant way of saying you are, you know, all of you libertarians that have ever thought about this are dumber than me thinking about it for three seconds. And the same thing kind of happened with the Lightning Network with uh, the criticisms of, well, your money could get stolen. And that is kind of true. But at the same time, it's like saying that all these, all the people in Bitcoin, all the engineers working on Lightning also didn't think of that, didn't weren't aware of that and, and weren't working on it. So to explain why, yes, it is true that you couldn't you can get your money stolen on a lightning network, but it's really not as big of a deal, um you kind of have to understand how it works. And another criticism of, of Lightning is that they I've heard it said there's some animation going around criticizing lightning and saying that it was a uh i think they're referring to it as a side chain uh which is not the case at all these are lightning network is real bitcoin transactions but they delay being transmitted to the to the blockchain and so in the meantime if say slappy and i opened up a, a lightning channel between us and i fund it with a bitcoin and i can send slappy up to a Bitcoin. And then, so I send them, say I say I send Slappy half a Bitcoin. So later we change the state of the channel that we each have half a Bitcoin. And then Slappy sends me a quarter of a Bitcoin back. And so the new state is that I have three quarters of a Bitcoin and Slappy has a quarter of a Bitcoin. And we keep doing that back and forth um, as much as we want to until one of us or both of us want to close the channel and then we settle it on chain. Uh, so what could happen is that if one of us goes offline, then the other one could send a transaction to the blockchain that did not show the current state and showed a state of the channel where, uh, say, I had more more of the Bitcoin than, than Slappy. Uh, say that the current state was... We each had half a Bitcoin, but I sent a, tra- a state, a previous state where it said that I had three quarters of a Bitcoin and Slappy only had a quarter. And Slappy's not online to uh, to see that going through, and that gets published to the blockchain. So yes, that is a uh, 
a scenario that could happen. So what did the engineers do is that they made it a time lock transaction, which means that when someone closes the state or closes the, the channel without the other person there to agree to do it, then in order for them to get their Bitcoin out of it and get settled, that it's got to wait a while. It's got to wait a relative amount of blocks before it actually gets sent, which gives the other party an opportunity to get back online, see what's going on, notice that that I'm trying to cheat Slappy, and then resend the transaction um, where actually <laughs> Slappy could take all the Bitcoin because I already sent my uh, – I think it's because I, I had already uh, signed it and Slappy would have access to my uh, – the, the key that I signed it with. So he could, he could transmit a state where he gets all the Bitcoin. So that's, that's kind of a, uh, what's it called? The gam, uh, what's the, what's the, uh, uh, the gambler's dilemma thing. Why am I blanking on this term? I don't know. Like the prisoner's dilemma. Well, yeah, the kind of like what that, are you talking about? the, yeah, the prisoner's dilemma. What's that called? Well, no, prisoner's dilemma where they're going to rat on each other. So they both uh, they both rat because if one lies and the other doesn't, right. they'll do a longer time. Um, I can't believe we, I was talking about this before we started recording. Whatever. I'm going to remember it in five minutes and shout it out. You know what? It's because Grum is again up here walking around and distracting me um so yeah so they built they built this in so that you've got i think the one uh iteration i think it's uh sea lightning is that it turns out to be like seven days that you have to get back on online so uh, so what happens though like why does it have to be that the one guy's offline and how will you know if he's offline and what happens if you try to do something while he's online you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, like me and you have this thing. How do you know I'm offline so you can steal my money? Well, I, I guess we'll get to it. I I have my own lightning node now. I got it, finally got it set up. And it will tell – at least my – I have the uh, async eclair wallet on Windows or node. And it actually tells me if the, the other, other parties – offline? Yes. Why do they do that? Uh, I guess so that you don't try to send the payment through them because so they can't you steal their money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's other, there's other, uh, there's watchtowers that are talking about developing. And and again, this yep. is, this is so new yep. that they're, they're slowly rolling stuff out um, and, and trying to solve these problems and a great solution that they came up with or async came up with is that they're, they have an Android uh, lightning wallet that it only allows you to send funds you can't receive any and people might say oh that's not you know what's the point of that but if you're a lot of people i mean end users probably don't have much that much reason at least right now to be receiving a lot of funds you might think that you do but probably not really um unless you're a business which you have um yeah, you'll take better steps to to do this stuff. But if you're just trying to send money, excuse me, send money on the Lightning Network, um, there, there's not a. Let me back up a second. 
So, sorry, Krom is trying to shut this podcast down. Krom uh, is your kryptonite. Once once Krom comes in the room, it's over. Well, not that he's in the room. A lot of times we'll sit in the box I have there under the desk, but then he jumps up and, and goes behind where all the wires are and then tries to walk across the computer keyboard. Um, so let me get back to the ASIC wallet. So because they they set it up so that you can always send money, which is fine for a lot of users because they're unless you have a business, um, yeah, you, you've got less of a reason to receive. It, it'd be great to receive funds without any risk. But so what happens if you're only sending funds in this channel? There's no incentive for the other party to try to uh, close the channel in a previous state because that would only, you would only have more Bitcoin in that previous state. So let's say that um, Slappy has the, the async wallet on his, on his phone and he opens up a one Bitcoin uh, channel with me and he can only send money. So he starts the channel with one Bitcoin. I have zero. And then he sends me a tenth of Bitcoin, so I've got I've got a tenth. He's got nine tenths. He sends me another tenth, and he's he does that a bunch of times. So he ends up with uh, three tenths of a Bitcoin, and and I have seven tenths of the Bitcoin. If I tried to close that uh close that channel uh when he doesn't want to and send a, a previous transaction state, well. It would be trans, uh, transmitting a, a state where you had more Bitcoin than you did ending up. So there's no – that completely eliminates – Right. There's no reason to do it. Right. Uh, so I think that's a really neat thing for, for getting it into into users' hands and getting them a little bit used to it. And that solves solves a good problem. Um, and then the other thing with uh, – you know, if you're if – because, you're, I mean, computers – shut down there's power outages and everything so i acknowledge that and i don't you know it's i don't have a lot of money at all on the lightning network but i still don't want to lose it i want to mitigate uh any small risks that i have as much as possible so what i did is that i have i I, i'm able to use a laptop the only thing that i use it for is to run my bitcoin node and run the lightning node so i set it up so that if it shuts down and restarts that when it boots back up, it bypasses the login screen and just goes straight to, you know, the desktop when it opens up. Um, and then what I do is I have a little batch script, which any idiot can can write. You can just Google what you're trying to do and, you know, it'll show you how, is that it automatically starts the Bitcoin node and then I have it, and then after that, I have it launch the the Eclair node for Lightning Network. Um, but the Bitcoin node takes a few minutes to load up and, you know, get the uh, latest state of the Bitcoin blockchain. So I put in a timeout function for uh, 300 seconds in between the node starting and the Lightning node starting. So it can give, give it time to, to spool up. And once it does... That should be enough time that uh, it'll it'll start the Lightning Node application, and everything's good. And I tested it out. I think it actually happened today. The computer booted up, rebooted, and uh, nice. it came back on without a problem. 
And the other thing I have is that there's services where you can, uh, like I use a evil Google for it, but, uh, Chrome desktop that you can, uh, see your computer from your phone. Uh, you can, you know, you can attach the, uh, um, different, uh, phones and computers, I guess, uh, like I, whatever they are, tablets. And so you can log in and control, you can control the computer from your phone. So I can go in and check and make sure it's running whenever I want. And then if something's wrong or I can't access, access it at all because either the internet's down at my house or because the, uh, the computer is shut off completely, then I know that, all right, something's wrong. Once I get home, I gotta, I gotta do something, but I have more than, you know, well, more than a day to take care of it. And if you really, <clears throat> excuse me, if you really wanted to secure it, and I'm probably going to do this, but, uh, you can get a, uh, a UPS or an uninterrupted power supply. So that if your power goes out, that it doesn't shut everything down on you, it'll run on the battery for a little bit. So you can keep your internet running and whatever you're running your node on, whether it's like a, you know, like a Raspberry Pi or something or a laptop. I mean, the laptop should have a battery, but it might go to sleep on you. And then on top of that, and I'm, and I'm going to do this, not because I'm, I want to run a node, uh, but because I, I want to have the peace of mind of, uh, keeping, you know, still having electricity is I'm going to get a generator for the house. So if I do lose power and I, I lose power out here kind of not infrequently that the generator kicks on and, and you get electricity and I'll make sure that the, uh, the internet and the, the node is, is connected to that. So, uh, combining that with the UPS, you should be pretty good to go. And if something well, happens so disastrous that it completely knocks out the internet, then, all right, I've got, and, and everything else, I've got bigger things to worry about than my lightning node. Unless I've got, you know, if, if I get any sort of appreciable money that I'm putting on it, then, gonna, then I'm going to put it on a server and, uh, you know, have that better reliability there. Well, here's where I'll push back a little bit and you can respond. That seems way more complicated than me handing you a $5 bill. Sure. So it is right. So why would anyone do that? Well, if they want to participate in securing a sound money. Right. So do you for like, what are they saying is the future? Because if that's what people have to do for money, I don't think this is ever going to work. Well, that's what they have to do right now. I mean, it's like anything right, so else. You, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's, I mean, there's, I'm looking at the, the, the Rec Explorer right now that shows the Lightning Network. There's 3,000 nodes right now, 80, almost 8,200 channels. There are people doing it right, you know, right just, well, I know people are doing right. it, um, and they will continue. And, and I, I know what you're kind of leading. I know what you're kind of leading into, and uh, you earn, you can make money running a lightning node uh, by being a, a, a router of a payment. Because how the lightning network works is that if I want to send money to Grum, but I don't have a channel with Grum, but I've got a channel open to you, and you have a channel open with Grum, then that payment will automatically route to grum well what happens if my fee is like 50 bucks 
Well, then it will uh, find another route. It'll go the cheapest route. Right. Hmm. What if someone had all of them? Would it be like a... Like, like, is it possible? That's what I mean. What I'm trying to say is, is it possible for one big player to basically have the entire network? I, I guess theoretically it would be, but the barrier to entry is so low because you don't really, it's not like mining Bitcoin is that you don't need the powerful, you know, really cheap electricity and, you know, unbelievable hash power to be able to, to do this. You just need to be able to download the chain. Yeah, where you don't even need to download. The, I mean, you could do it. I mean, you could buy it, buy it on a server, but right. you just need a computer that can, you know, run a Bitcoin full node and then run the Lightning software on top of that. It's, so it's not that much. Um, I, the computer I have doing it right now, it's not a very powerful computer, um, but but it does it very well and easily. And you can do it on like a Raspberry Pi. You can do it on on uh on really light light stuff um on top of that um well also it's just you know you question how efficient that would be like what the incentive would be to just try to get the entire hub i mean you collect all the transaction fees but you you would be tying up enormous amounts of capital to do that but they're also developing something called amp which is atomic multipath payments and so what that does is that when you send when you send like a a file across the internet what it does how you one way you can do it is that it it breaks the file up into a bunch of little packets mm-hmm. that makes it sending it across the internet a lot easier and then the recipient is able to put the pieces back together and they have right. the file so what amp will do is if you've got a large uh, lightning network payment this is how i this is how i understand it um but I think I'm right, is that if you've got a large uh, lightning network payment that you want to send, it'll break it up into hmm. a lot of small payments and then and route it, it across right, everything. Route yeah, it however it's got to go because you're limited by the, the size of the channels. It's like if you, you know. Right, so if you and me have, like, say, so me yeah. and you, and then I'm trying to get to C, like person C, and you have a connection with person C and I don't but I have a connection with you, but my connection is only like a Bitcoin and I want to send that guy to Bitcoin. Would it have to go through two different channels to get there? Uh, yeah, or it could just, I think it could just send it through twice. Okay. So it'd just be like through the same channel because you would get, because being, being a hub, when a, when a payment routes through you, say you route 10 Satoshi through you. Okay. You pay the next person the 10 Satoshi, but then you get the 10 plus the fee from, from the other one. So you're not, it's as it jumps through. Yeah. It's, it's very quick. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if it could, if it would just kind of do it in, uh, in series, the payments through the same channel. But, um, the idea is that you would, I mean, the nodes would end up becoming fairly connected. And if you want to kind of be that gateway node for people, then you, then you would make yourself, very connected. Um, and they're developing software that when you spool up your lightning node, that it automatically chooses good people to connect to. Hmm. Similar to the way that, that a Bitcoin node does it right now, because you've got to, you've got to connect to other nodes to receive the blockchain. So it goes out and searches for reliable sources for it. 
Um, so there, I recommend like if, if anyone's interested in the lightning network, uh, there's good, um, good resources out there. Good people talking about it. I've been listening a lot to the, uh, Stefan Levera podcast and he had, uh, Brian Vu, one of the lightning network developers for, I for, I don't know if he's, I forget where he, where he works, but, uh, he, you know, they, they go into a lot of detail, uh, explaining how it all works and, and some of the solutions are coming up for this stuff, but it's really, it's really fascinating. And to the people that just kind of dismiss it as being like centralized or something or, and all this other stuff, I, I really well, suggest I've heard you people. Yeah. I've heard people call it like central banking. And why would they say that? I just I don't think they understand how it works. Like, is there any reason for like what what is their fear? Well, they they would say that there would they think that there's that like a a, a large bank would just make a huge uh, and take node. the whole thing right. But, but if really, that did happen, saying... I don't. I, I'm not sure. I understand what the problem with that would be, even right, if it did happen. I, I mean, anyone could do that. Right. right. So like, say I just set up a node to someone else or a connection, whatever you call it, then it bypasses everything they're doing. Like they have no control over where it goes. Right. And they don't know where all these payments are going either. Right. It's, it's pretty, uh, the nodes don't know who they're routing. I mean, they know who they're getting, who, who the node in front and behind them are, but outside of that, they don't know where it's going. Hmm. So it's not like they're going to. It would be very difficult to try to censor uh, payments unless you just try to censor the nodes you're directly connected to, in which case you just don't have a channel with them. Right. Uh, so – and on top of that, it's – it's if they started charging a lot for uh, routing fees, then someone someone else just takes – it. it did not take – once I had the Bitcoin node – spooled up it did not take long at all to uh to get the lightning node set up they uh, async has a, a, a an executable file for win for windows that you do now you gotta you gotta set your uh your config your configuration file for your bitcoin node up so that would probably mean that you have to re-index the blockchain which took a while but uh you know once you have that set up you're you're basically good to go and uh there's already a lot of nodes out like i said there's there's three thousand nodes out there if one entity tried to take everything you know it may work for a little bit but like i said the barrier to entry is so low that that someone can just come in and and sweep up a lot of their uh their business especially if the amp payments um go over well um Oh, I had another point about that too, but yeah, there's a, the point, the main point being is that yes, there are issues with it, but there are people are also working on, on solving, figuring yeah, it out. And yeah. if you take a little bit of time to, to find out what they're doing, it's, it's pretty cool. And I think they're, I think it's like every, from everything I've seen, everything I heard, Everything I've done, you know, I I do believe that it's going to be a very good uh, platform to to have this second 
second layer solution and uh, make it very eat. Don't. Now the cat's trying to chew the edge of the. It's your kryptonite. Yeah. Um, it, it. Yeah, just you take it for me, please. I got to deal with the cat. <laughs> well, what I was going to say is like what we were mentioning earlier in the episode is Bitcoin is still really in its infancy. And especially now that this lightning networks come out, there's going to be a lot of trial and error. I mean, that's kind of the reality and the development's going to get better and there's going to be more people working on it. But if you're looking for a way to change the world, I think that's a great way to do it is get into the Bitcoin community, learn about how it works a lot of libertarians have a pretty good understanding of economics, which is which really helps with learning Bitcoin. And um, the world is small enough to where you can make an actual difference if you figure it out and get in and, and start working. So uh, instead of just whining on Twitter all day like a lot of us do, um, Raul and I are guilty of that too. You can do things to really change the world. Yeah, by helping out with the Bitcoin community, and I really recommend, um, you know, not just reading about Bitcoin, but really understanding money. And so, right now, I'm reading Saifedean Amus's book, uh, "The Bitcoin Standard," and also I just bought "The Ethics of Money Production" by Guido Holzman, which is not so much. Well, it was written in 2008, so it wasn't about Bitcoin. It was just, you know, really. Uh, it's it's extremely important to understand how money works, to really appreciate uh, what Bitcoin is, why it's going in the direction that it currently is. Um, and why it will work. Yeah. Yeah, and that's like – I remember I, – and we talked about this before, maybe not on the podcast, but just between ourselves that you know when we first became libertarians and, and – you know, the light flicked on about non-aggression and, and markets and everything. It was like the most amazing thing. Like you saw the world completely differently and it was exciting and you wanted to tell the whole world about it. And, you know, that kind of admitted... <laughs> you annoyed everyone and didn't get invited to parties yeah, anymore. Yeah. Admittedly, that kind of excitement kind of died off. Not that I'm no longer, you know, as I, as I learn and do all this stuff, I, it becomes stronger, my desire for liberty and, 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 uh, eliminating the state. But, you know, that, that same excitement wasn't quite there. But once I had this, uh, recent kind of, I don't know, I don't know, Renaissance makes it seem dramatic, <laughs> but we'll call it that. In Bitcoin, the Rollo Renaissance. yeah, the Rollo Renaissance, um, like that really renewed that fire and that passion because now it's like, all right, I got really excited when I saw that there's a better way of doing things in the state. Now with Bitcoin, I now see the tool that can do, that, that can be the catalyst to, to get rid of the state and to have a, a much more peaceful, prosperous world. And it's so new. It's so early, even though it's, you know, you know, we can all remember when Bitcoin was worth X, X amount of dollars. And now it's, we've seen it go up past or close to $20,000 and now wherever it is. Um, 
but it's so early and so few people, even though most people have heard of it, most people don't have any clue about it, which is evidenced by the CNBC articles we were talking about. Um, so it really creates an opportunity for you to sit down and just learn and become, you know, learn to, I'm trying to learn how to code, uh, learn how to code, learn, learn Bitcoin like the back of your hand and become more than just, uh, an evangelist because a lot of us in the libertarian world, we were evangelists, um, you know, writing, writing on blogs, doing the podcasts and, uh, you know, talking to people. That's awesome. That's great. And we all should do it. But now we actually can do something, do something more than that, actually create and create things that people will adopt without even realizing it because it's a better Bitcoin's better than any money we've ever had before and currently better than the, the fiat we have now. And so because of that, people are going to start using it because they, they want what's best for themselves. It's, you know, basic praxeology. So take advantage of that and, uh, you know, make a difference. Yeah, man. Yeah. I'll get off, I can get off my soapbox now. Yeah. What else you got to add? Uh, I think I had a, I had a bunch of stuff I want to talk, but, uh, I think that was the main points I wanted to get across about lightning. Uh, and if, if someone disagrees, wants to push back by all means, um, you know, let us know your feedback and do that in general. We've actually had some people recently tell us about, uh, like Stitcher and iTunes have been kind of weird with, uh, with playing the episodes and, and please, if you're getting that, we, we want that kind of feedback too. If things just, if the podcast isn't getting delivered well, uh, cause that's, you know, it's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. We want to make sure that we're doing this. We want to get it out. So we appreciate, there've been a few people that have, that have, let us know, and that's that's very much appreciated. Uh, so, otherwise, uh, we, do you want to wrap it up? Do you have anything else you wanted to say? No, if you're good, let's let's do it. Okay. Show notes page again is mcflugel.com slash one hundred six. Uh, you can find links to the things we talked about. We'll have the two CNBC things, and also uh, I'm linking to the async eclair uh, GitHub page. And also there's a, a tutorial from medium.com on how to set up a, the eclair lightning node on windows. And I also have a link to the, uh, uh, Android wallet for eclair. So do you have one slappy? Uh, no, I do not. Why not? Why? Um, I don't know. I haven't do you, done it do you, do you have an, an Android? Uh, well, that's part of the problem. Oh, well then you must be a fed. Because you're not participating in the solution. Oh. Yeah, maybe I am. Must be. Uh, what else? Uh, go check out libertymugs.com. Uh, and if you subscribe to the, our email newsletter, we'll send you a discount. Also, if you subscribe to the Tom Woods Liberty Classroom through our link, you will get a free mug. Just let us know that you did that so we can know to send it to you. Uh, also check out the yeah, podcast is on Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, all the, all the podcast catchers and, uh, check out our friends, Mance Raider, free man beyond the wall, friends against government podcast, uh, Dino files and peaceful treason podcast.
And with that, we will catch you next week. Peace.